is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Create a move of God by having an expectancy for him to come. We can't really be around Jesus very much and not have some kind of expectancy. Is that right? The more I get around Jesus, the more expectancy rises in my heart. Time and time again, whenever Jesus met people, one of the things you would say to people, according to your faith, so be it. According to your faith. In other words, according to your expectancy, so be it. If you don't expect anything, that's exactly what you're going to get. There's got to be expectancy in your hearts. There's something that's got to say, God, I expect something to happen. I expect you to fulfill your word. I expect something's going to happen when I pray. I don't know about you, but I expect after these two weeks of prayer and fasting, I expect something to happen. If I didn't, then I wouldn't. Be, what's the point of doing it? Is that right? I expect something will change, something will be different because I'm expectant. We need to expect. Because the Bible says also the uh, manifestation of an expectation, if you like, was she built a room. You see that? She didn't say, oh, I really, got ex- I really expect God to do something, but let him just do it. She built a room, which revealed her expectation. She made the steps to reveal how much she expected him to come. She built that little room. I like Isaiah 54. Great chapter. You know, it talks about that, and it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. God, we're told, has a word for a barren woman. What do you think that word would be? What it says? He actually says, enlarge your tent. Make it bigger. Enlarge your tent. In other words, have expectancy. Have expectancy. In other words, if we expect God to do something, He will often require steps that we do before He does it. Amen? In other words, for example, maybe today, I'm sure many of us are in this place, that we need healing. (laughs) How many need healing? That's why we're in that place. Sometimes we need to build something to prepare for. Spend time meditating on healing scriptures. Begin to build your faith up in that area. Maybe... You want to see a breakthrough in your family. Then begin to get agreement. Begin to praise God for the outcome what's about to happen. Make room for him. Begin to build those steps of expectation because you expect God to come. See, when we don't act on something, that means we don't really have expectation. See, when we pray, we're praying with expectation. When we act on God's word, we're acting with expectation. We're just doing what we need to do to say, God, I really believe you're coming, and because I believe you're coming, I'm kind of building that room, whatever way I need to do that, because I expect that you're going to come. Expectation. 
Here's the next thing Chef will do. And we, I don't know if you've ever done this a lot, those of you who have people to come stay with you. Hey, you have to clear the room. I read that. You know, you clear the room out and, you know, all the, all the kind of stuff. That was a room you kind of threw all the stuff in and now someone's coming to stay. And you've got to clear that room out. Because here's this guy, if you like, who, who did strange things. He made, he, kind of, he made axe heads floats. He kind of, you know, he filled jars with oil. He did weird things. He did strange things. And she's saying, God is moving, and I need to clear things out to have a part of this move of God. You see, our lives can be cluttered with so many things. This is what the Bible says. That the seed for the desire for other things choke the seed. The desire for other things choke the seed. In other words, there's no room for God to move in our lives because we are so full of other things. I think things like, and we often see that as sort of somebody worships statues, but we can have often idols in our hearts. An idol is anything that we set up before God. Anything that takes preeminence in our life can so easily become an idol. Someone said this, from lovers of the land, from fame to fortune, from golf to fishing, it's all idolatry when God is shoved to the side. And so what can happen? And I think this is a great battle today. There's so many things which are good in themselves but so easily can capture the affections of our heart. And as our hearts are captured by those things, our desire and our hunger for God begins to go. And the life of God, the things of God moving in our lives are choked out because other things have got the affections of our heart. The next thing that she had to do, she had to kind of amend her lifestyle. How many of you have ever had people stay, stay with you? And you've got to kind of amend your lifestyle. You know, you don't walk around anymore with your kind of holy vest and your Rupert the Bear boxer shorts, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And your socks and your sandals that you usually walk around the house in. And, you know, you change, you, you amend certain things in your life because, you know, people stay, you, you, you know, you're not going to kind of walk around in embarrassing ways. You're going to do things because you've got to amend your lifestyle for someone that comes into the house. And here's the thing we just see. If we want to make room for a move of God, maybe we've got to amend our lifestyles. Barriers, wars in our life that have got to be dealt with for God to move. Things in our life that have been in our life a long time. I haven't got time to go into it, but strongholds, things that hold our lives, things that limit our lives, things that we know in our hearts are limiting what God can do in us. Maybe there's people that you need to forgive. Some attitude, some even area of disobedience that you know in your depth of your heart, it's limiting God. It's holding God back. It's not allowing God to do what He wants to do. God, as a, re- a disaster, God, I'm willing to do Everything I need to. I'm going to amend in my life 
everything that needs to be amended because I want a move of God. No matter what is required, no matter what I've got to dealt with, what issue I've got to confront and deal with, I'm willing to deal with because I'm going to amend my life to make room for God and let God move. Doing what I need to do to have a move of God. Amen. I love reading revivals. One of the most amazing revivals. and We've been to the very place where the revival actually began. The Welsh Revival. Went to the very chapel where the Welsh Revival began. In fact, we, I remember we had this guy actually from the, from, from the message, one of the, their, their leading intercessors. And he, and he wanted to pray outside the chapel where the revival began. And he, when he prayed, I'm talking in open air, he was so loud when he prayed, people in the pub next door could hear him praying. And they began to come out. Because I hear this guy, I mean, he, he prayed, man. He was amazing. And when he prayed, people, and I'm talking about mid-afternoon now, people in that bar came out to wonder what was going on. And we witnessed with them, we shared with them, and prayed with quite a few of the guys that came out of that pub. But when that Welsh revival broke out, that's what took place. As God moved in that chapel, people in the pub next door ran into that, ran into that pub because God moved in such awesome power. But Evan Roberts, who, if you like, was the, was the key leader of that revival, basically believed four elements that he believed brought the revival. And there they were. First thing is this, he said. Confess all known sin. That was his first thing. Second thing was, search out the secret and doubtful things. Even things we're not quite sure about, we're a bit doubtful about. He said, search out the doubtful things. Thirdly, confess the Lord Jesus openly. And fourthly, he said, fully obey the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I have an incredible conviction in my heart that if we really did those four things, I think we'd see revival. I only believe that. I really believe that with all my heart. That if we put into practice those four elements, I think we'd see an incredible move of God. And he saw an incredible result of that. So I was saying, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life I need to accommodate to receive a move of God? I think the other thing that we change or accommodate, if you like, is the way that we think. You see, often the way that we think hinders a move of God. Ah, way of thinking often can hinder God from moving. The Bible says that you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Is that right? What are wineskins? They're what is they're restricted and limited. They, they, can't, they can't expand because they're so rigid. A new wineskin is flexible enough to receive the new wine. So we can't really be expressions of new wine until we become new wineskins. What are new wineskins? I think it's, it's often... The way that we think. An old wineskin is the old pattern of thinking. The way we think can so often limit what God can do. One of the real words, I like to say this word because it sounds impressive. Paradigm. Don't know that word. I kind of like that word. Paradigm. You know what that word means? It means new levels of thinking. I often use illustration. When they 
The Swiss always do Everybody got a Swiss watch. They have amazing Swiss. They make amazing Swiss watches. You know. And when they began to develop, if you like, digital watches, the companies in Switzerland thought it's never going to work. We're no way working like it's never going to work. And they refused to change their paradigm, if you like. But this new paradigm of digital watches began to take off. And their market in the and their market making watches began to totally almost collapse because they wouldn't, if you like, receive a new paradigm, a new way of thinking. How can a watch be digital? It's got to have kind of numbers. It's got to have two hands and things. And often spiritually, we can often be like that with God. All ways of thinking can stop a fresh move of God in your life. I think if our mind is set against a certain move of God in our life, we'll never have it. And in order for God to move, often he has to change the way that we think. Often when I've read and studied revivals, I've found this one common trait in all revivals. That the, that the past revival judged or criticized or hindered the new revival. Those who had experienced one move of God persecuted the new move of God. That's why, in a sense, can I put it this way, that's how really denominations are created. Because one denomination receives at some point one amazing move of God, but then when God moves in a new way, they, can't, they say to themselves, that can't be God, because God only moves in this certain way. So they begin to persecute the new move of God. And that's what can happen to us. That in our way of thinking, we begin to think God can't move possibly in that way. That because God moved in a certain way, we get offended in our hearts because we can't perceive that God could possibly move in that kind of way. And I really, really believe we're going to, if you like, experience and encounter the move of God, often we've got to change the way that we think. Bible says, renew your minds. Renew your minds. In other words, it's the word metamorphosis. That the form, change the, your form of thinking. Change the way that you see your things. And I think God speaks new things into our hearts to create a new paradigm shift in our hearts. Changes the way we think, which begins to lead to transformation. It's having an attitude that says, God I don't know everything. I don't have everything. All I know is I need a new move of the Spirit. I need a new move of God. Change the way that you think. The way you think about yourself hinders a move of God. The way we perceive God can hinder a move of God. So we accommodate a move of God by saying, God, change, renew my mind. That's what we've sang about, is that right? Renew my mind. As you move, begin to renew the way I think. Don't let me limit what you can do by the way I'm thinking. Change my thinking, oh God. Let me have what? The mind of Christ. Notice something else. She, if you like, made that room a priority. You know, she could have thought, well, I need, I need a me room. How many of you have got me rooms? You know, that's my, that's, I'm going to, I'm the, that room's going to be a me room. You know, I'm going to have all my you know, magazines there and, you know, the DVDs that I like. And that's going to be a me room. Or she could have made her into like a, a, I don't know, a leisure room. You know, men, you could have made her into your tool room. You know, all your little tools in there. And, 
you know, all your man stuff in there and everything. But she said, I'm making that room a room for a move of God. That's my priority. And the key to having a move of God and making room for God is making Jesus and a relationship with Jesus your priority. And I think there's so many things that pull us away from that. Not that we don't have some relationship with Jesus, but it's not a priority. It's not the thing that we put our time into and our energy into and our affections into. If we're to see a true move of God, it's got to be what? A priority. I look at it also, next thing, when she saw that room, it was almost like a goal. They read the goal. You know, that room, I'm going to do this room, do that. And it was almost a faith goal she had in her heart. And if we're to see a move of God, often we need to have a faith goal in our life. Without a vision, the people perish, says Proverbs. And that word vision there means a prophetic insight. It means an unfolding of God's purpose in your life. I was reading something just the other day by a guy called Viktor Frankl. Ever heard of him? Viktor Frankl was a man who was put in a concentration camp. He was literally the only member of his family that survived the Holocaust. And this is what he said. And he, when he said this, he was, coming, he was speaking and he was lecturing at a university. And he says this, There is only one reason why I'm here today. What kept me alive was you. Others gave up hope. I dreamed that someday I would be here telling you how I, Viktor Frankl, have survived the Nazi concentration camps. I have never been here before. I've never seen any of you before. I've never given this speech before. But in my dreams, I've stood before you and said these words a thousand times. It was the vision that made the difference. In other words... That vision, that dream, that he would survive that Holocaust camp and one day he would declare what he, his experiences. And there's something, someone said this, that, that the poorest person in the world is a person without a vision. A person who hasn't really had a prophetic insight. A person who's not really allowed God to unfold his purpose for their life. I'm not talking about something that you think, that's a good idea, I think I might try that. I'm talking about something you've prayed before God and says, God, unfold a word for my life. God, unfold your purpose for my life. Show me, reveal it to me, make it known to me. I, and I think there's areas we need that vision for. A vision for our families. Our vision for our character. Our vision for our service to God. And so when we begin to find vision, and that vision begins to burn in us, and it gets a hold of us and grips us, it makes room for God. When there's not one there, kind of limits God and hinders God, because there's got really no, there's no room for God to flow into, because there's no dream there, there's no vision there, there's no something burning in you that grips your heart and says, yeah, this is what I was created for. This is what God has put me on this earth for. And it grips you and stirs you and moves you. How many found that when you see that there's a move of God? Amen, is that right? See, Evan Roberts, if I get back to him, had a vision for a whole nation to be saved. It burnt in his heart, gripped him. 
Wouldn't it be great if that sort of vision burnt in our hearts for Guernsey? That we'd have a burning vision that Guernsey shall be saved. It grips us. It gets a hold of us. And we're so desperate for it to happen, we accommodate a move of God. Can you say amen? Very quickly. I know time's going. I think the next way, because she said, I will make a room. In other words, she spoke the words to do it. The Bible says the power of death and life are in the tongue. And if we're really to see a move of God, often, again, what hinders that often is the words that come out of our mouth. We can pray one thing and contradict it by other words that come out of our mouth at the same time. And so what God wants is that, the Bible says that you believe in your heart and what you confess with your mouth. There's something awesome when the mouth and the heart connect together. Something powerful is released when that begins to happen. A move of God happens when the heart declares what, 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 the, what the mouth confesses. Ever thought about what comes out your mouth often is a reflection of what's in your heart? You know, when people speak cutting words that cut people up and pull people down, often that's a result of really what's going on in your heart. You're just manifesting out of the abundance of the so words flow out of that. Words of doubt, words of unbelief often reflect, really, what's going on inside us. And so often, if we're to see a move of God, we've got to begin to allow our words to come into line. I think it's great to say things, God, I declare that you're going to turn this around. God, you're for me. You're not against me. Great is he that's in me, than he that's in the world. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says that, uh, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. That word confession means to say it as it is. To say it as God says it. To say what God says about your circumstance. Sometimes, if I say what I see about my circumstances, it's not very helpful. It's failure over finished. That's the way I perceive it. That's the way I see it. But if I see it from God's perspective, it's totally different, amen? So I've got to learn to say, God, this is the way humanly I see it. This is the way my circumstances say it is. But I'm not going to say it as, as those things say it. I'm going to say it as you say it. Hallelujah. And it's amazing when you do that, how things begin to change in your life. Ever had that? Something in you just wants to... One says, speak negative about it. Ever had that? You just, you just want to speak, you just can't help yourself doing it. It's some way saying, I'm, I'm just going to allow my mouth to only say it as God says it. No matter how crazy or how ridiculous it looks. The Bible says that's what faith is. Actually, faith is actually coming into agreement, not with what you say, but with what God says. Isn't that powerful? Here's the next thing. I think this woman had to step out of a comfort zone. And that's what we need to do. If we're to see a move of God, sometimes we've got to step out of that comfort zone. Step out of, of, of things that can paralyze us. You know, fear and rejection and all those things can paralyze our hearts and paralyze the move of God. But we're going to step out of what we feel comfortable and familiar with and, and say, God, we're stepping out, believing you're going to do something. And you'll see a move of God. As you step out and move, you'll always make room for God. Here's the next thing, I think. It doesn't actually say here, but I'm adding this one. 
I think what we're doing this week makes room for God, prayer and fasting. I really believe. I really believe prayer and fasting makes room for God. I don't think a program or some new method is going to make room for God. But I honestly believe as we seek the face of God and pray and fast, it makes room for God. I found that God can do more by doing that than anything else we could ever do. Pray and fasting. And Isaiah 58, and it's been one of the if you like, verses, chapters we've used throughout this week. In Isaiah 58, verse 6, he speaks about the fast that God looks at. The, the results of fasting. He says, I'm going to loose bands. People who are bound by all kinds of addictions. As we fast, we begin to see people set free. It says that undo burdens. As we begin to pray and fast, God begins to solve problems. He begins to overcome barriers. Three says, let the oppressed go free. It brings freedom. The Bible says it breaks, breaks yokes. As we fast and pray, it breaks the controlling thoughts. and It breaks those things. And it says that we give bread to the poor and needy. That's the point. You think of how much money we can't often spend on food. Can you imagine that? When that begins to lay back a bit, you have more money, amen, that we can give and bless others with. It also says that health and healing will come. It says righteousness will come. It says the glory begins to be released. And there's so many other things that are a result of making room for God. Ultimately, that's what it's about. As we make room for God, those are the benefits. Those are the results of making room for God. Let me just come to this point in the story now. Because here's what happened. As she made room for God, the prophet says to her, what would you like me to do for you? And she wasn't aware of anything until the servant mentioned that she needed her son. Here's what I'm saying. As you make room for God, God begins to do things and does amazing things in your life. And you think about it, to her it didn't seem a big thing to make a room. But God says, even though you've made such a, out with the eye, kind of little thing, I'm going to do something awesome, something amazing for you. Sometimes it's the little things that we do that see God do great things. God does, you'll be amazed what God can do with the little. Our gifts, our talents, the things that seem so small, you'll be amazed when it's given to God what it can do. You'll be amazed what it can do. Honestly, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed what just a bunch of flowers can do for someone, amen? You'll be amazed just what a, a letter of encouragement can do for someone. You'll be amazed just what words of encouragement can do for somebody. Sometimes we're looking for such amazing, awesome things. We think because we can't do something big, that it has no spiritual significance. But Jesus says, if you just give a cup of water in my name, there is significance behind it. What are we doing? We're releasing something of heaven's atmosphere into that situation by allowing God to use our talents and abilities to change something on earth through heaven, by heaven's power. Amen? Just that small thing. Now, as she had this son, we've got time to go into it, but as she has this son, it's wonderful for quite a few years, suddenly the boy has a problem of some sort of headache or something, and he falls and collapses on the floor and he dies. Her dream, the area where she made room for God, suddenly it seems finished and over. There's something amazing. 
Just because we're going to see a move of God, it doesn't mean we won't have challenges. It doesn't mean we won't face difficulties. It doesn't mean from this time on everything's wonderful. I've found often when you do move with God, there's often obstacles and barriers and challenges that seem to rise up. Amen? But as she made room for God, and suddenly this tragedy happened, here's what I like about this lady. She refused to accept it. She refused to, to just accept that's the way it is. It was great for a time, and now it's over. I get this sense that she refused to accept second best. Sometimes we have a dream or a disappointment, something that we've really hoped in our heart, and it seems to have all collapsed. And here's what we can sometimes do. Through that, we begin to pull back. And we begin to accept something far below than what God originally gave us. That dream he gave us, well, it didn't kind of happen. It all fell apart, so I received something a bit less than that. We pray over something, and we just see a partial answer to it. So we accept the partial answer rather than saying, I'm going to press through till I see the full answer. I'm refusing to live with second best. I'm refusing to, to live with, with that limitation. This is what God put in my heart. This is the dream. This is what he spoke to me about. And I'm not going to pull back till I've seen the full fulfillment of that. God said, you're going to give a son. Is that right? And I'm not pulling back until I see the full, full expression of that. I think that's awesome. And there's something else amazing. The boy is placed in the very room where, where she made for God. The very room that she made for the prophet is the, is the room that had the miracle. I'll tell you something this morning. If you make room for God, you won't be disappointed. When you make room for God, when crisis and tragedy, when things fall apart in your life, you'll be glad that you made room for God right there. You really will be glad. And she was glad right there. She made room for God. Because when that tragedy hit her life, she had somewhere, she had a resource, she had a place where she could turn to and run to. And when you make room for God, you've got a resource, you've got a restraint, you've got an ability you can turn to when things don't always go and hit your life. When painful times hit your life, you've made room for God. And you'll be glad that you've made room for Him. Amen? Let me just close this. Do this one. Just go down. I'll just close this with verse 33. So much more I could say. Notice what takes place. Now, this is pretty cool. Verse 33. And there's Elisha. He went up, he lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, stretched himself on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth to the house, and the gang went up, stretched himself on him, then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. I just love that. First of all, the Bible says he, he lay on that child. In other words, every time I make room for God, he will come with his warmth. He will come with his fire. Amen. That's what it's about. We're saying, God, we're making room for you, so you will come with your fire. We want the fire of God. And we make room for his fire to come. The next thing we're told he put his eyes on his eyes. There's something about making room for God that changes our perceptions. 
It changes the way we see things. It changes the way we perceive things. We begin to see things through the eyes of Jesus. We see with his compassion, with his love, as his eyes touch our eyes. Amen. The Bible says, his mouth upon his mouth. I found that when his mouth becomes on our mouth, we begin to speak with new levels of authority and boldness. Words that we said before, suddenly when the presence of God's on them, suddenly have an ability to touch hearts. Have an ability to open hearts up. Have an ability to make an impact on people. Because his words begin to impact our words. He laid his hands on his hands. In other words, that God uses our hands as he touches our hands to reach out and touch broken, hurting people, to lay hands on the sick and, and they recover. And here's the final thing. It says that when God, when this boy was touched, before he did, he had to sneeze seven times. Sneezing, man. I had a massive bad sneeze a few months ago. Broke me a rib or did someone cracked a rib or something just by a horrible sneeze in the wrong way. What sneezing actually, what does sneezing do? It expels stuff on your nasal part. <laughs> you know, the, the irritations, the blockages often in your nasal are whew, removed as you sneeze. Something is expelled, if I put it that way, when you sneeze. How many can see an incredible insight there? If we're going to move of God, we've got to expel things from us. We've got to expel those things in our life. Those barriers to God. We have to expel them so that God can move and work in our life. The Bible says he sneezed seven times. Seven is the number of perfection. So I'm going to keep pushing that stuff out of my life until God is fully in there. Because how many know it's progressive? You get rid of something, you strip one thing away, and suddenly you find something else. How many have found that? I'm doing great. I'm moving forward. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize I had that attitude. So you're constantly stripping away things from your life. And every time you're stripping things away, so God's moving more and more in your life. It's our unwillingness to strip those things away that hinder that. But the moment we expel it, it moves. Actually, I haven't got time to go into it, but if you read through the Acts of the Apostles, actually they had, if you like, seven sneezes. Seven things that they had to remove as they moved on with God in the things of the Spirit. Seven things of God, each chapter you'll find is an expulsion, what they had to remove out of it to move and embrace all that God wanted to do. And we find that. I guarantee over these next few weeks, you just suddenly become aware, you know what? That attitude, that thing in me that I wasn't really aware of, suddenly it seems to be magnified in me. I've got to strip that away, expel it for a greater move of God in my life. And that's what God wants for our lives today. Make Room for God, and he's going to make room for you. Amen? Let's just stand before him right now as we just come. Isn't that we want in our hearts today? We want to move of God. Guernsey, that's what desperately needs above all else. It needs people who are experiencing a move of God. Corporately, but individually. God can't move corporately until he moves Individually. Say today, God, what do I need to amend? What do I need to expel from my life to allow you to move in greater ways and greater depths in me? Isn't Jesus so wonderful? So just cry to him and say, Lord, tonight, Lord, this very morning, I'm sneezing, if you like. I'm expelling things in me that need to come out of me. 
because I need a move of God. I desperately need a move of God in my life this morning. I need you to move in my life. And I'm willing to do whatever is required to allow you to come and move in my heart, move in my life. So I just want you to spend a few moments right now just reaching out to the Lord. And God, come. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit where you are now. Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you. Come and fill my life in greater ways, in greater degrees. Just invite the Holy Spirit right now into every room of your life. Make room for him this morning and he'll come. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and move in my life today. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Just welcome him in these moments. Just welcome the Holy Spirit. You welcome him by making room for him, by making him a welcome guest in your home, in your house. Just welcome him. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.